It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a machine, listen to yourself, the world, but it don't need something to your own head. Speed it up and I speed, got no speed, so I'm gonna put the with the fear fight down. Like fire in a fire, this is the gang, the government for hiring the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, the security to get down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the hour of doom. And bloom. That's and, right. And very early in the morning. And very early in the morning. <laughs> We're doing an early morning thing because I have to go on some television interview. Very oh, nice. Boy. Yeah, make a fool of myself. Oh, as stop. Usual. But in you any case. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. have full confidence in you, my oh. love. Stumble bum. That's me. Stumble over all my words, but hopefully. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. Well, did you enjoy your sip of coffee? I did. I needed it. Boy, I I'll need pay. a sip, too. <laughs> no, I think I need to cut your hair a little bit. Oh, my. On the sides. But your I'm, hair grows like crazy. You will never be bald, dude. But how am I going to get that mullet going if you keep cutting my hair? <laughs> I don't think we need to go for that look, honey. <laughs> if people saw what you look like right now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We didn't even say hello, friends and neighbors. Hello, hey, friends and, friends friends and, and neighbors. neighbors. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival <laughs> Medicine Hour, a weekly window of wonder <laughs> in a worrisome world. And in our weird life. That's right. <laughs> hey, there you go. A lot of W's there. I'm Joe Alden MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over a thousand posts, videos, and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster. Hello? Oh, hi. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? <laughs> uh, you know, I woke up at 4 a.m. I just want to mention that. And so you've been awake so long that it's 7. It's, it might be time to and... go back to sleep. <laughs> oh, boy. But I am Amy Alton. I do know that. And okay. I am a certified nurse practitioner and a certified nurse mm. midwife practitioner, yeah. too. But advanced registered nurse practitioner. That's Are right. Are the words in front of that? <laughs> Well, together we sip don't we sip, may, may not seem like it, but we are the dynamic duo. We are <laughs> the courageous couple, the spectacular spouse. Give us a couple of hours. That's right. It'll be better. <laughs> oh wait, the show will be over. Okay. <laughs> and we're here to help you keep it together. Sipping more coffee, <laughs> even if everything else falls apart. Mm. Friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident? With a gregarious grizzly, well, our oh, attorney no. says, don't call me, call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, and listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour 
are for entertainment purposes only, obviously. Yes. <laughs> and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Or ah. you guys get the idea. <laughs> Ah, but when the going gets tough, the tough get injured, and somebody's got to grab the medical kit and be the end of the line when it comes to keeping their people healthy when that ambulance is not just around the corner. And, and you know what? And to quote you, true dad. True dad, that's right. And somebody, that somebody, mm-hmm. might just end up being you out there. So show the world you got more sense than a sack of potatoes and get some training and education and while you're at it. How about some supplies and a quality medical kit to go along with all that knowledge? And what better place to get it than Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated, never-equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. They'll help you deal with medical issues you'll face in any disaster. They'll make your workplace, your school, your church safer. They're designed by us, us individually, an honest-to-gosh medical doctor and an advanced registered nurse practitioner i'm actually working on speaking of medical kits a little bitty kit a smaller kit as little as i'll i'll make it Uh uh-huh i won't make it like two by four inches right this one's probably about it's only like five by five Uh like a square and not it, too deep. It's going to be very lightweight. Uh-huh. That'd be great on the trail or in the car or a lot of different places. Oh, yeah. Toss it in your purse or in your back pocket or to a belt. Very lightweight, very small. Um, just some little essentials. You know, I just Sounds want good. everyone to have something. Uh, I will definitely be putting a SWAT tourniquet in it because that is a multi-purpose tool. Yes, that's true. Not only does it stop bleeding, but also it can stabilize a splint. It can uh, also uh, be used as a pressure dressing. A lot of different reasons. It'll hold on gauze. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots and lots of things. Oh, it works as a splint, too. Or not a splint, a um, sling. A sling. Oh, right. That's the word that I'm trying to come up with. Yeah. Yeah, it is really versatile. It's one of the most versatile items you can have. So, definitely going to put one of those in. And then some, you know, other little stuff. Lightweight, um, but useful. Sounds great. Got to make, you know, different sizes because you just never know what people want to carry. Well, I think that's one of, I think that's like 15 kits or so that we have designed. Is it really? Over the years, everything from Lousy. Uh, little kits to big kits. Uh, if you're going on a mission to an underdeveloped country, you have, <laughs> we have a kit for you, believe it or not. Yay. So it's that, it's that kind of thing. So anyhow, just compare our kits for contents, quality, and cost with anybody else's stuff, and you'll agree our kits are the ones that you should have in your medical storage. Hey, but you want to know something? Mm-hmm. We're saying that, but don't take our word for it. Check out our testimonials page at store.doomandbloom.net and see what folks just like you have to say about our stuff. Absolutely. That's and right. I, I will guarantee you that every review underneath every product and on the testimonial page are actual customers. Oh, yeah. Actual, real customers. I just got um, oh my gosh, you're, some real reviews. Uh, not real, some really nice reviews from um, a woman, Jennifer, 
who I think she wrote her last name. So you guys will see her last name on the website. Uh, she ordered like a huge amount of stuff. They just suddenly decided this was now their category. They were going to prepare it. <laughs> so they went, they went crazy with buying medical stuff. And you know, I'm really happy that she feels more comfortable and safer. And she went through everything and she wrote some real, you know, nice reviews. And I'm very happy. Thank well, we you so much, Jennifer. That. Yes. Well, we appreciate that. I love that, to hear back from people because, you know, we do hand make these kits. <laughs> so right. they're my little babies I send out in the mail. They always get there, thank goodness. Um, and then I like to hear back from people, you know, did, is there something I can change? And by the way, positive or negative feedback is always good because if there's something you need to add, someone has an idea of, of something they've seen before sure. or used before I am so happy to hear things I'm constantly tweaking these kits a little thing here a little thing there a couple more of this maybe I need to add space so I change something you know I want to this is a living medical kit site these things you know change a little bit here and there with the times and and new innovations that's right and your kits by the way are <clears throat> approved for health and flexible savings accounts is that right that is true what do they have to do to actually it's actually very simple well if you have a, a debit card some of these things have debit cards they can use that in the store and if you need a receipt if you've paid for it in another way or you've used that card and you still need a receipt please just either put a note on the order, there's a comment section. You can add the FSA, HSA, uh, um, there's an item. You can add that to your cart. Of course, it won't cost you anything, but it's sort of like a little sign to me that you need a receipt. Uh -huh. um, or you guys can always write to me, and my email's on there, but there's a contact form also you can send. But our email is podcast at AOL.com. That's D-R-B-O-N-E-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at AOL.com. Um, other ways you can contact us or even follow our little life here in the world of survival medicine is on Facebook. Right, sure. Okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> at tell our, us, tell at us our group. How, yeah, tell people how yep. they can connect with us. Absolutely. At our group, Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. We have a Facebook page called Doom and Bloom. Well, that's a hard one to find <laughs> or to remember, I should say. Doom and Bloom, Facebook. Um, that'll give you all of the articles and videos and things that we're doing. You can watch our YouTube channel and subscribe to that. So the instant I put up a video, it will let you know. So you guys can go watch that kind of real time. And that is Dr. Bones Nurse Amy. That's right. Excellent stuff. Did and I mention? I don't think I mentioned Twitter. At Prepper Show is our Twitter. That's right. And uh, we want to thank our good friends at KYAH Radio in Utah, which carries this podcast, the Survival mm -hmm. Medicine Hour. Also, uh, all the great <clears throat> stations that carry our uh, current events podcast, American Survival Radio, broadcast pretty much everywhere from Philadelphia to. Oregon to Alaska, so mm -hmm. lots of different places. Oh, by the way, we received in the mail our certificates yes. as certified 
uh, advanced wilderness expedition providers. That's from our trip A-Web. to Montana. That's short. Where the AWEPs. They call it AWEP. Right. And so for us, that's <clears throat> a that was so much fun. A little feather in our cap. That for was fun. we had a great trip uh, traveling throughout Yellowstone, Grand Tetons, and they had a. Uh, National Tetons, Wilderness Tetons Tetons Tetons, Tetons. Oh, whatever. <laughs> You're yeah. so cute Tetons <laughs> And uh, so we managed to go to uh, the National Wilderness Medical Conference We did a special training course there where they where we learn how to do all that sorts of crazy rescue stuff. litters and things like that Ropes, working yeah. with ropes working with and ropes making the lot, litters right? Exactly Well, they don't teach you how to make a litter in nursing school, I'll tell you that they That really was don't. really very interesting the, yeah. the excavate, excavate, extract people That's right <laughs> <laughs> If you're going to excavate them, they're probably yeah. past their prime <laughs> <laughs> They've probably been in the dirt a while already. It's not going to have a lot of saving going on there. <laughs> so you want to extricate them before you have to uh, whatever. Well, speaking about dirt, many times it's too the early dirt in the will morning. have. <laughs> You're oh doing gosh, great. You're doing great. More coffee. Yeah, you need great. to put some caffeine in the coffee. My husband decided we were going to go to decaf just one day. We're not going to have caffeine anymore. And so I had to detox all the caffeine. There's lots of caffeinated coffee in the house. All you have to do is make the coffee yourself. Yeah, but you're the coffee Uh, maker. All right. Well, I'm, as a customer, I'm requesting a little caffeine in my coffee from now on. Well, in the dirt, there may be a rusty nail. And most of us. Coffee looks like dirt. Yeah, it doesn't. It looks like soil. Most of us have gone to get a tetanus shot when we step on that rusty nail, but very few people really have a good concept of what tetanus is and why it is dangerous. And why it's not always the rusty nail you have to worry about. That's true. You're absolutely right. Uh, As the medic for your family, the goal is to maintain your well-being, the well-being of the people in your family or group. Like giving them caffeine. Good times are bad, and this can be best assured by understanding... Un, in, especially infectious disease. Absolutely. Knowledge of risks and prevention and treatment, that's going to be the armor plate in your medical defense. That's right. Tetanus comes from the Greek word tetanos, which means tight. And that's an infection caused by the bacteria Clostridium tetani. The bacteria produces spores, which are inactive bacteria to be, in the soil. They live primarily live in the soil, but they can live in the feces of animals. These spores are capable of living for years. They can just stay dormant and live live for years, and they're resistant to all sorts of extremes in temperature. Now, tetanus is thankfully very rare in the United States at the present time, in normal times, mm-hmm. with about 30 reported cases in back in 2015. Um, worldwide, though, there are a half a million cases a year, and most of these are seen in developing countries in Asia and Africa that have poor immunization programs. Citizens of developed countries may be thrown, however, into third world status in the aftermath of some mega catastrophe. Therefore, you have to expect that many more cases would occur even in the United States. That could be your responsibility as a medic to identify, evaluate, and treat. Most tetanus infections occur when a person has experienced a break in the skin. What's the skin? The skin is your armor. It is the most important barrier 
to infection. And any defect in that armor leaves a person open to infection. And the most common cause is uh, for tetanus would be some type of puncture wound, mm-hmm. such as an insect or an animal bite, a, a splinter, or even, or even that rusty nail. Mm-hmm. By the way, a nail does not have to be rusty. That's important. To give you tetanus. Because that's the first thing everyone looks at after they step on a nail. Right. Oh, was it rusty? It doesn't matter. Exactly right. I wonder how that rumor got started. That old wives' tale that it, oh, was it rusty? I would say from an old wife. I remember when I was a little I would say from an old wife. (laughs) I would guess. Was she a midwife? Ah, there you go. (laughs) So, why are puncture wounds most likely to give you tetanus? And that is because. They're deep. Mm-hmm. Bacteria that, or at least a Clostridium tetani bacteria, right. is a kind of bacteria that doesn't like oxygen. And deep, narrow wounds give less access to oxygen and allow this particular bacteria to become active and grow. Now, I have to say, any injury that compromises the skin, though, is eligible. You've seen tetanus occur as a result of burns and crush injuries, <coughs> lacerations. Any of these, uh, since they break the skin, can uh, when, if they break the skin, can also be entryways for tetanus bacteria. Mm-hmm. Now, when a wound becomes contaminated with the tetanus spores, the spores become activated as a full-fledged bacterium, and they reproduce rapidly. Damage to the victim occurs as a result of a strong toxin, a poison that's in it, essentially, that it, that it excretes. Mm-hmm. And that ta- uh, toxin is known as tetanospasmin. And, and this specifically targets nerves and muscle, and nerves that serve muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. Now, tetanospasmin binds to these nerves, and what it does is it causes misfires. There are misfires that lead to involuntary contraction of the affected areas. This kind of damage can be localized. Uh-huh. It could be in just one area. Uh, for example, locked jaw, where the jaw muscle gets really tight, or it can affect the entire body. Any muscle group is susceptible as long as it is one that is affected by the toxin. That even includes respiratory musculature. The muscles that you use in breathing can actually be affected, and it can become... A, it stop you from breathing, as and that's can, life-threatening. As you can imagine, a tightening spasm on your chest muscles would not allow you to inhale and yeah. exhale. Exactly right. Just going to tighten everything up. Yep. So th- the most severe cases seem to occur at uh, extremes of age in developing countries, interestingly uh-huh. enough. Newborns seem to get it an awful lot. It's really terrible. And, yeah, there's a lot of shutter-stuck pictures of that is so so sad exactly now death rates from generalized tetanus if you don't treat it hover around 25 percent or so but they're much higher in newborns and so for newborns this is a major issue and thousands Mm. of newborns die every year as a result of a tetanus infection now you have to be on the out uh, lookout for the following early symptoms. Now, Mm -hmm. these are a number of uh, symptoms that you'll see in the early stages of tetanus. They'll start having sore muscles, especially near the site of an injury. Right. Um, It's not sore muscles mm -hmm. in your foot if you were stuck in your hand. Right, exactly. It's it's local. We're talking about local. Usually starts locally. Usually starts locally. 
Uh, you'll experience weakness. You may uh, be irritable. You may have start having difficult. Then, then as time goes on, you it's start having difficulty swallowing. Around. Gotcha. You and you can get that lock jaw that I, me- I mentioned that in facial muscles are mm-hmm. o- oftentimes um, the first affected. So you wind up having this, you know, this tight feeling. Get yourself to the hospital if this happens. Right. So any of these things can occur. And the sad thing about this is that you may not even remember that you stepped on a nail or that you, that you actually had a, injured some yourself, sort of had puncture. some kind of inj- yeah, right. puncture wound, because the initial symptoms may not present themselves for up to a couple of weeks. Okay. Now, as the pr- disease progresses, you'll start seeing things like progressively worsening muscle spasms. They may start locally, but they can become generalized in time. When they become generalized, the entire body is... Arching, spasm. Yeah, right. There's an involuntary arching of the back. And sometimes all this is so strong that they actually cause bones to break. I can't, I can't believe that. I have not seen that. But it... Yeah, it, but we're in the United States. Right. We haven't seen People, some of the worst cases, right, obviously. Right. If we were practicing elsewhere, I'm sure it would be a, a terrible thing. But we would probably see it. Uh, of course, that resp- as I mentioned, difficulty breathing and mm-hmm. respiratory distress. These people get fevers and they have high blood pressure. Basically, everything is in this this spasm. Right, because if so your blood vessel right, your blood vessels are tight, the heart has to work harder to try and pump blood through them. And there's a great deal of stress on the heart from all of this stuff. Right, everything's squeezing. Just think, your whole body's squeezing. Now, the one thing, and I, you see somebody like this, and you say, this is tetanus, this is an infectious disease. You, as a medic, may be a little nervous about treating this person, but the good news is that although it's an infectious disease, tetanus is not contagious. You can feel confident treating a tetanus victim safely as long as you wear gloves and observe standard clean technique. That you begin by washing your hands, put on your gloves, then wash the wound thoroughly with soap and water. Use an irrigation syringe to flush out any debris. That is a big, giant syringe and that allows I meant, you to... And I want to mention, this is immediately after the puncture wound. Mm-hmm. This is not after symptoms have started. You, The second you have any kind of wound, as soon as humanly possible, you need to wash all wounds with clean water, vigorously scrubbing, Flushing, scrubbing, flushing, flushing, scrubbing, soap, water, flushing, scrubbing. Right. Every wound that you ever get needs to have this kind of treatment. So you don't get redness. You don't get infection. Things don't set in. It's much harder to treat infections that have set in than to prevent them. And that is so key. That's right. An ounce of prevention. This is really key. In wound care, ounce of prevention. You want to decrease that bacterial right. population by getting it out early. That's right. And and as a result, you'll decrease the production of toxin that will wind up causing people to get really sick. Absolutely. Uh, you'll want to administer antibiotics to kill off the rest of the te- tetanus bacteria if you can't get it all out of the system. Uh, metronidazole, uh, fish zole. Uh, 375 to 500 milligrams twice a day, or doxycycline, bird biotic, 100 milligrams twice a day. These are two antibiotics that are known to be effective. So this is something that if you don't have these in your medical storage, you might consider uh, getting some 
metronidazole, fishazole, and or doxycycline. You know, it is amazing. I would say and doxycycline. I was going to say, you know, it's it's pretty amazing how many diseases, not diseases, but bacterial infections, really are susceptible to doxycycline. Maybe not first line. Mm-hmm. Right. But as a second line drug, but if you don't have the first line, <laughs> you know. Right. Well, sometimes the first line drug is intravenous or so, or right. or just not available Let's in any kind of veterinary equipment. To our listeners, what exactly we're talking about? First line, second line. That's right. that we're we're medical tech speaking right, right now. A drug is considered to be a first line drug or a drug of choice. Right. If it is. Like the, the best one. The best one. It's an easy way to the describe The most likely it. one to treat a that particular, particular infection. Right. And so that is a, a first-line drug or a the drug of choice. The drug of choice is something that you want to strive to always use if you can. If possible, and, right. If possible. But in uh, true disaster situations, long-term survival scenarios... That you may not have much choice, and and there are a right. number of other drugs that will not, still work. That's right. You might not have forty different antibiotics. Right. You might only have five or six, but it seems to me, and somebody that I know sitting next to me is writing a book on this. A book. Yes, we're on this particular subject. That's right. And so, um, I think you're going to find that doxycycline comes in handy in a, a lot of different issues. That's right. Might be a really good one to have, folks. So anyway, it is one of the ones you're talking about for tetanus. Absolutely. Well, let's see. Remember, the important thing here is to begin the antibiotic therapy as early as possible. You, The less bacteria there are, the less toxin will be produced, the less likely somebody will have a severe, infect, well, uh, let, severe let me, effects let me from ask, tetanus. Exactly. Let me ask you this. If we were in a survival situation, and I stepped on a nail. Rusty, we'll call it rusty, just for the heck of it. Would you, after washing my foot very thoroughly yes. and aggressively and repeatedly, mm-hmm. would you administer doxycycline to me? Yep. Okay. I would I definitely okay. administer an antibiotic. I recommend. I would definitely recommend that. Now, the number of days that I would administer it would depend on uh, my level of suspicion, possibly. The truth of the matter is you should always use it for a full course of therapy, mm-hmm. and that is oftentimes seven days or even longer But in you know cases. what? I didn't tell you whether... But not I, always. It's sometimes it's just a couple of days. But I didn't tell you whether I've had a tetanus shot lately, which, by the way, I have not, so you would give me the antibiotics. But let's talk about... I know you want to mention the tetanus vaccine. We're always mentioning vaccines, you know, as... If you want, you know, we don't we don't force anybody. But let's talk about the tetanus vaccine a little bit. Well, as a medic, you you really should obtain a detailed medical history from anyone you might be responsible for right. in times of trouble, and that includes immunization histories where possible. And the question is, has this injured individual have you been uh, immunized against tetanus? And exactly, and that's since you know that I have not had a tetanus shot in. Oh my gosh! Well, so I might, probably haven't had a tetanus shot in seriously thirty years. Well, since you no were no kidding, well, since so you, you, but were a you child, knew that probably. already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most people born in the U.S. have gone through a series of immunizations for tetanus, including and and usually in a combination. Um, diphtheria, tetanus, and whooping cough, and this is usually given early in childhood. And 
Of course, later on, they're given booster shots. Usually, booster injections are given every 10 years mm -hmm. or every five years if there is a uh, wound. Okay. If there's a specific issue and it's been five years, they'll probably give you a booster a booster in the shot. emergency room if right. you're able to get to it. Right, exactly. Okay. Now, unfortunately, just, just in case. This is something that's probably not going to be likely to be available. Of there course. may be a veterinary version of this, but I think it's um, bovine tetanus, and I'm almost certain that it would be a great deal of overdosing Oh, that would occur. yeah. Now, the question is, well, what, would that, that, it's what would also, that do? I don't know. But they it's don't also test liquid. Yeah. We've talked about how mm. expiration dates for liquid is, you know, pretty accurate for the most part. And so you're not going to have, even if you have access to the vaccine, it may not be any good. It depends on how long the survival scenario has been going on as to whether that shot is even any good anymore. That's true. So, get the doxycycline. <laughs> so, yeah. So, have antibiotics available. I mean, if you couldn't get a hold of human tetanus toxoid, well, congratulations. Hey, more You're, power to you. It's a lot better than most people can do. That's right. Um, tetanus vaccines, not without its risks. Uh, there have been of complications like seizures and brain damage, but they occur in less than a, one in a million cases. Uh, there are milder side effects, and these are more common. Fatigue, fever, nausea, vomiting, headache. Uh, inflammation at the injection site, that's, that you can see pretty commonly. Mm -hmm. But given the life-threatening nature of this disease, you might want to consider having this vaccine. It might be something you should encourage your people to receive, regardless of your feeling about jacks, uh, vaccines in general. Because, uh, face it, if, if it's not caught early, there may be very little you can do to treat oh, yeah. your victim without all the bells and whistles of modern medicine. True, true, true. I don't know if I talked about cryptosporidium. Cryptosporidium is a infectious disease that we see in contaminated recreational waters, and we talked about those a couple of weeks ago, uh, but I'm not sure if I had mentioned uh, crypto. And cryptosporidium is sort of a dicey organism, and it, and it survives so much longer than other disease-causing bugs and it's very un very common, honestly, in waterways and high-density areas like pools, hot tubs, water parks, places like that. Crypto is uh, responsible for the grand majority of people that are made ill from contaminated water. As a matter of fact, it can't even be deadly. The CDC reported almost 500 outbreaks in the years between 2000 and 2014 and 27,000 cases and eight deaths. And this is all from the complications of a cryptosporidium infection. Crypto uh, spreads in pool water whenever someone who's sick with the parasite, in other words, has a diarrheal disease, goes swimming, has a bowel movement in the water. Now, that's oh. something that can occur to anybody, probably occurs more often with little kids. Uh, but if you've got this and it goes into the water, the spread of a diarrheal stool into the water is very quick and can contaminate large amounts, large volumes of water. Uh, and diarrheal so stools. So gross. Right. That also, they always spread the pathogen. <laughs> Diarrhea always spreads a, a pathogen <clears throat> faster than a form stool in, um, in, in the water. Mm -hmm. Now, those people who swallow some of that contaminated water, Ugh. 
can become sick for weeks with this watery diarrhea, stomach cramps, vomiting, all sorts of stuff. And this even occurs, and the reason why crypto is an issue is because this occurs even in pools that have been properly chlorinated. Chlorine takes days days to eliminate cryptosporidium as compared to minutes for organisms like E. coli and others that you would consider ordinarily to be very, very dangerous. Mm -hmm. The CDC has a, a formula, by the way, you can look up for hyperchlorination, which speeds up the process. And some people in a situation, uh, some people who, who deal with public swimming pools right. use this hyperchlorination process in an effort what to get rid, idea. get rid of this and get rid of this and every other infection. Not good for your hair. Right. It dries your hair out, but frankly I'd rather have that than get mm. these nasty pool diseases. Right, exactly. Blech. They use uh, of course if you had somebody who has this disease you would treat them with anti-diarrheal medicine in this case. Uh, you might use uh, azithromycin, uh, which comes as aquatic azithromycin. That's something. There's also another medicine that's a prescription drug called nitazooxanide. And so these are uh, some ways that you treat it. But, of course, the most important way to prevent this kind of thing, well, prevention's worth a pound of cure. The CDC suggests if your kids have diarrhea, keep them out of the water. If they have crypto, Please. they have documented crypt cryptosporidium, wait two weeks after they're better before entering public waters. Make special efforts to avoid swallowing pool water. Ugh. Take kids on bathroom breaks every hour. Change diapers in designated areas away from the water. Before swimming, make sure that you know the quality of the water. Um, <clears throat> Some people use test strips to check the, the amount of chlorine in the water and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. Can you imagine yeah, if we had little kids, kids and I'm at, whipping out my test strips? You probably in the pool. would. You'd probably be pretty, pretty tough about that. If I'd have known when I was yeah. little. Right. Of course, pool surfaces nearby, uh, you know, uh, flooring and stuff like that, this should be clean and simply using household bleach of nine pound parts water, one part bleach is a pretty reasonable cleaning solution. And, but remember always to make batches of this stuff fresh because bleach loses its potency pretty quickly. There are uh, so many bacteria, viruses, and, and protozoa and all sorts of bugs that can pollute natural and man-made recreational waters. You always have to be aware of them. And you should always avoid swimming if you are suffering from diarrhea. You're doing, honestly, a public service, and you'll be keeping your community healthy. Please help prevent others from getting sick there and you spreading go. your illness. That's oh, right. when we checked into the hotel in Montana, Big Sky, Montana, for this conference, the mm -hmm. medical conference, the woman at the desk checking me in was, like, deathly ill, like fever, coughing. She sounded horrible. Oh, the poor thing. Well, yeah, but she's at work, and she's at a front desk, and she's checking in. Yes, I feel bad for her. But she should have been home. And I, of course, in my my curt way, I said, why are you at work? No. <laughs> she says, what? I said, you are very sick. I can hear it. You can hardly breathe and you're coughing. And you look like you might have a fever because your face was a little red. Mm -hmm. She says, yeah, I feel a little warm. I said, you do realize that you're going to spread this to your coworkers, and they both back away from her and, and give her a look. I said, you need to go home. You're, you're like, 
walking around <laughs> with an infection and you're touching room keys and people's credit cards and the pens that we're using to sign oh these gosh. papers. Oh, my Way to disrupt an entire business. I said, there, buddy. you need to get in bed. You need to go eat some chicken noodle soup and drink some Gatorade and put your feet up and watch television for two or three days and just relax and get better. Because being at work, your body is not going to get better. I was being mom. I mean, she's like the age of my yeah, kids. Yeah, you're being a tough mom. I was being, get your butt home. I almost said a curse word. Get mm. your butt home, honey. And I was trying to shame her a little bit so she would go home because I wanted her co-workers to tell her she needed to go home. Because people go to work. You know why? They feel guilty because they don't want their co-workers to have to work harder. But if their co-workers say, no, Susie Q had to go home because she wasn't feeling well and we didn't want to get sick, now she doesn't have to have the guilt because she's protecting them by going home. That's why I wanted to say that. That she was going to get them sick. So they would demand that she went home. Well, you may have prevented an epidemic. I said. Something. I said, everything you touch has your infection. You're coughing in your hand. I said, use that hand sanitizer you got right there. And I said, in fact, give me some of it. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I definitely am not going to be uh, presenting myself to you when I'm sick. But I did give her. No, I'm very caring. Yes, you are. If she was my daughter, I would have made her some chicken noodle soup. Oh, very nice. I would have figured it out. Yes. (laughs) But she was very grateful. But she did need to go home, poor thing. But anyway, so don't go to work if you're sick. Don't get in a pool if you have diarrhea. Yeah. Let's prevent others from getting sick. That's right. Let's keep our communities healthy. That's right. Uh, Let's switch gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know that. There's always a risk of major trauma in in any survival scenario, and with major trauma comes the risk of bleeding, right? Oh, yeah. Of of course, uh, there are a lot of different medical supplies that you should have, and one of the most important ones uh, to have on hands in times of trouble would be those items that help you control bleeding. Uh, There were studies done of casualties in Iraq and Afghanistan, and 50% of American soldiers that were killed in action died of blood loss, and 25% of them died within the first hour of being injured, and indeed, that is called the golden hour. Everybody everybody knows that Mm -hmm. if you don't get help within the first hour, then your chances of dying uh, increase rapidly, and I think that many injuries, if they involve an, an actual arterial bleed, oh. uh, it, a golden hour is way too long. It's probably a platinum five minutes. I mean, that's what I agree. may determine life or death if they can yep. get help in right away. Uh, of course, there's always an ongoing battle to prevent deaths from hemorrhage, uh, and that has actually been waged throughout history. The, the Egyptians mixed uh, a concoction with wax and barley and grease and they applied that to bleeding wounds. They felt that that would stop bleeding. The Chinese, the Greeks used herbs, uh, different herbs, bayberry, stinging nettle, yarrow. Yarrow is still thought to be uh, good as a natural uh, bleeding controller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Native Americans actually did something sort of weird. They, they applied scrapings from the inside of fresh animal hides, mixed it with hot sand and, and feathers, oh my gosh. downy feathers, 
and applied that there. And so I okay, think I have to say that was like their band. They made a bandage essentially out of it. That okay, okay uh, might have sometimes it might have saved a life and honestly, sometimes not. Honestly, it probably doesn't matter what you put in there. Although I would stay away from dirty, nasty things. Um, I think the pressure, the physical pressure of your hands pushing some material, and I would rather see a sock. Or a T-shirt. Well, the Native Americans in the old days didn't have socks. I understand that. (laughs) Right. Well, what I'm saying is these these medicines or these things that they put in these wounds, I'm sure they applied them with pressure. And so what actually stopped the bleeding? Probably the The pressure. The pressure is what I'm saying. So don't go throwing a bunch of stuff into a wound that you're just going to have to clean out. And that might actually give the person a wound infection you now have to treat try to use something that's at least clean a a t-shirt everybody's got something cotton on them for the most part unless you just walk around wearing silk or polyester suits all the time (laughs) (laughs) okay hopefully we don't have a lot of that most people have you know some jeans you can cut off a piece of your jeans even materials that's cotton or t-shirts something napkin i don't care what it is some kind of material again a sock works great most people have socks now i'll say put this put your hands over it and push the pressure it's the pressure that's stopping that bleeding now the pressure will stop bleeding except that it may not do such a good job in a true arterial bleed in yes. that circumstance yes now we're, but now you're talking about something different these people were sticking uh, the inside of animal hides mis- mixed with sand and downy feathers, which means that person probably wasn't bleeding to death, right? Because well, they had they time to, to mix that. that. Right there, yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> and the Chinese and Greeks were finding bayberry, stinging nettle, and yarrow to put into a bleeding wound. Probably these people were not bleeding severely. By the time they made their mixture, uh, you had either died from a severe bleeding or it had slowed down and they were putting the stuff in there. Well, in modern times... In modern times with, now... Where there's arterial bleeding, they, they now believe that you should be using the tourniquet yes, first. Remember how yes, in the past that people used to be very reluctant about tourniquets, but now they have tr- fully embraced them. Thank and, goodness. Um, after the Boston bombing, that really changed it. That and then all the military studies that came out that showed how many lives are being saved when the tourniquet was put on early. Right. The early versus you put on waiting. The right. Exactly. You, you, if you save wait. the drops of blood that are coming out. Every drop is critical to bring oxygen to your organs. Right. Exactly. And and waiting to, uh, uh, to put a tourniquet on as a, making it's it a last no resort sense. makes. Absolutely no sense, but indeed that was the strategy. Everyone was afraid of them. Not too long ago. They were afraid of them, and they thought if they put a tourniquet on, five minutes later the person would get gangrene and they'd have to cut off that arm or leg and it turns out or hand. Not to be the case. Exactly. Now, there are also other things. There have been other advances um, in bleeding control, and, and that is the development of these hemostatic agents. Hemostasis, by the way, is just another word for bleeding control. Uh, so there are these special agents that, and it's very important to know how to use them, of course, yes. appropriately. But if you can use them in an emergency, it'll greatly increase the patient's chance for survival. 
Now, these products are used in conjunction with direct compression of the bleeding wound. So, you know, firm pressure, as you mentioned, is still very important. Yep. Even with the so use of these hemostatic a, agents. So instead of a sock, you've got one of these products, right. which I know you're going to mention in a second. Exactly. And now, ideally, a hemostatic agent should stop a major hemorrhage within a couple of minutes of application. They should be applicable in a very wet wound. Uh, they should be packaged, ready to use, simple to use, and they should store well for extended periods of time. Of course, you want them to be affordable, and you want them to cause as little collateral damage as possible and that little risk, as little risk for infection or uh, embolism, which or, are blood clots that travel to other parts of the body. Or what some of these formulations previously did was they caused caustic burns. Yes, as a matter of fact. So let's talk so, a little bit about that. Um, <clears throat> the the two um, hemostatic dressings that are approved by the military's Tactical mm-hmm. Combat Casualty Care Committee. And I'm going to mention a third after you TC3, talk about these two. Um, are Quick Clot and Sealox. They're two entirely different substances. They're available in a powder form, and they're also available in a do they prefer, easier to use powder impregnated gauze. Do they prefer preferred the pronunciation cellox though cellox yes cell i'm sorry i, I, said I always say cellox okay but it's cellox. i don't know if it's a southern thing no but it's, it's cellox but and it's they, produced in yes, the united kingdom uh let's talk about quick clot quick mm-hmm. clot originally contained a volcanic mineral known as zeolite which was a very effective in clotting bleeding wounds but also caused a reaction like you said yep. that burned the patient and sometimes even the medic as a result, the main ingredient was replaced with another substance a few years ago that doesn't burn when it comes in contact with blood. Now, the current uh, generation of quick clock is made from kaolin, and that's a naturally occurring mineral that was the original ingredient in kaofectate. Uh, there are no biological products in quick clot. It doesn't contain animal, human, or botanical components. And when you have contact between kaolin and blood, blood from the bleeding wound, mm-hmm. it immediately initiates the clotting process by activating something called factor 12, which is a major player in bleed- in your body's uh, mechanism to control bleeding. Right. Starts the clotting system. Right. Yeah, what you do is you take the gauze or, or the powder, you apply it directly to the bleeding vessel along with pressure. I don't pressure. think they make a powder anymore. Oh, they, now quick, quick clot now no they have just... Everything is gauze. All right, yeah, so the impregnated. Impreg- okay, yeah. so the gauze is applied directly to the bleeding vessel, along with pressure placed on the wound for several minutes. Quick clot has a shelf life of about three years or so. You can get it without a prescription. Uh, make sure you don't leave packages out in the sun, and make sure that uh, you don't get it wet. These are the things that are important with regards to maintaining its potency. Uh, one negative with quick clot is that it doesn't absorb into the body very well and can be difficult to remove from the wound. Uh, the material is known to become sort of hard when left in too long, and bleeding may restart if you have to yank it out to remove it. Of course, this le- uh, this is less of an issue now that they're using uh, gauze dressing. You pull out the gauze, you pull out most of the clotting agent. Uh, Cellox is the other popular hemostatic agent. It's composed of chitazan, an organic material that's taken from purified shrimp shells. How do they find these things? I don't know. (laughs) Right? How do they figure these out? Who decided that? Right. Despite this, the manufacturer, by the way, says it's safe to use in people that are allergic to seafood. Because? Because 
they have neutralized the proteins. There you go. And it's the shrimp proteins that initiate reactions, allergic reactions. Exactly. Sometimes bad for some people. But you don't have to worry about it. That will not happen. It has never happened, and it won't happen. They assure us. Now, uh, cellox still come still can come in a flake or granule form, but it usually is, and I recommend using the gauze the gauze that's impregnated with the product, which are easier to deal with. Uh, unlike quick clot, cellox uh, causes effective clotting even in people that are on anticoagulants like heparin. And because, that's because it does not use your clotting factors as part of its way that it stops bleeding. What it, it does instead, when it comes in contact with blood, it forms a gel-like clot of its own, which covers the bleeding vessel. And so it stops the bleeding in that fashion. The only reason that I recommend using the, the flakes, the granules, is in a product they call uh, Cellox A. And the Cellox A has an injector syringe. And that is four narrow, deep wounds. Yes, so like so a that small is caliber. The, that is the one time that you wound. need to use that because that applicator gets it deep in the wound. Now, none of these products will work unless they come in contact with the bleeding with vessel. the severed blood vessel, exactly, or vessels. Um, so if you're putting something on the outside of a wound, it is not going to help. You need right. to get it down deep. So if you have a narrow wound, the syringe injector that, ha- that Cellox A is, and A is for applicator, that is actually the best product for those narrow, deep wounds. Right. The only issue is that you're then not you're gonna... physically seeing where the actual bleeding is coming from. But let's, we can imagine that it's coming from the path where... Of the hole. The, of, of the hole, right? Of the, of the let's sure. say, bullet for you. So example. I do absolutely like the injector for that type of wound. Uh, one additional benefit of Cellox gauze is that as a biological product, it actually will break down a little easier than, let's say, quick clot might. Mm -hmm. And if you apply a little water to these dressings, these gauze dressings, it actually becomes sort of gel-like and forms a pretty good burn dressing when it's it's wet with water or saline solution. Mm -hmm. Now, these things do work if all you have to do is go to YouTube and you'll see something called cellox demonstration or quick clot demonstration and in, the, in these demonstrations they actually take a pig they cut one of its main arteries and they watch it bleed for a period of time before using these dressings mm-hmm. and indeed they apply pressure and it stops the bleeding even if it was a big major artery so it does work and it's something that you should definitely have uh, it's important by the way to not get this stuff in your eyes or your airways, that's something that would be bad, uh, and you should remove it from the wound no longer than 24 hours application, maybe even earlier if you can. Now, let's not forget the natural remedies may help stop. There are some that may stop uh, mild to moderate bleeding. Yarrow we talked about. Uh, certainly, if uh, a disaster has long-standing consequences, the supply of commercial 
hemostatic agents is going to go away. So it's important to know what plants may have some kind of medicinal benefits. Now, so besides yarrow, for example, cayenne pepper powder actually does pretty well. If it's uh, a heat level above 35,000 Scoville units, well, it has a clotting effect. It may cause a burning sensation, a significant burning sensation, but it can help with mild to moderate bleeding. Uh, the important thing is not to use much stronger stuff than that. If you use, let's say, ghost pepper powder uh, with like a million Scoville units, well, all it has to do is a little bit of that powder get into the, the medic's eyes and or the patient's eyes, and you've got a big problem. Black pepper has been used in the past to help uh, control hemorrhage, and that's because of a product called a substance called piperidine in it, and uh, <clears throat> applying either of these in a good quantity to the bleeding area and applying pressure with the gauze dressing might just work. For a major hemorrhage, however, tourniquets, commercially produced products like Celox, Quick Clotter are superior. And don't forget um, Kytosam, a new product. Sam, exactly. Kytosam is a new product. Contains the same substance as Celox, Kytosan. Uh, that's why it's called Kytosam. And <laughs> after <laughs> Sam is uh, Sam Scheinberg, the doctor that's developed this particular product. And it comes in a woven, much softer the dressing than the Celox dressing. The Celox dressings tend to be sort of stiff. This one is actually reminds me of uh, cloth like or moleskin. Like a soft yeah, baby almost. blanket, yeah, doesn't it? it really does. Now, it has not, has not yet been evaluated fully, I guess, by the uh, Tactical Combat Casualty Care Committee, so it is not one of those that is uh, recommended by them, but I by believe that this. I really like this. This will say, be. This will be. I I'm going to put this on my store. I'm ordering some of this. And this will be coming on the recommendations of these committees uh, in the next few years. It seems like a pretty good product. Yep. All right. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening to the Survival Medicine Hour with Joe and Amy Alton, Doctor Bones, and Nurse Amy. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week.